Welcome to Musician. I'm your host, Andrew Lapau. Let's start the show. Here we go with another episode. Today I have Micah Snow on the show. Micah is a good friend of mine. He's a uh, terrific pianist. Um, You might know him from The Piano Men, the Billy Joel Elton John tribute band uh, that he plays with in Nashville, or his Bruce Springsteen tribute shows at the Basement East. He is the uh, arranger of all those um, great shows that get put on every summer and winter um he also has been spending time on the road he recently got off the road with Taminsky, um dan Taminsky's um new project he's also performed with darlene love the classic singer and uh right now he's on the road with maggie rose and continues to do club dates uh with a wedding band he also has the time to play at church every Sunday. So he is just really, really busy. He also accompanies over at Belmont University. So we're going to talk about really just everything about living and working in Nashville. And so without further ado, here's my interview with Micah Snow. Enjoy. Micah Snow, how are you doing? Happy birthday. Thank you, sir. I'm doing quite well this morning, uh, celebrating the Dirty 30 today. Oh, it's your Dirty 30. It's my Dirty 30, yes. Uh, but you were meant to come on this podcast today for so. that. I think so, yes. That's awesome. What are, you, what are your plans today? You know, I, uh, I just plan to take it easy today. Haven't really made any plans yet. Uh, something may come to fruition later on. or Okay. Maybe set something for later on this week. I just okay. got back from a, a run in the Northeast. Um, Where were you? Uh, Pittsburgh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and uh, New York City. And who are you playing with? I've been doing some shows with this uh, great artist, Maggie Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a country soul singer. Man, she's killer. Yeah? Yeah, I saw you played at Eddie's Attic in Atlanta. Yes, we did Eddie's Attic uh, about three weeks ago uh, in Atlanta there. It's a nice venue, small was, venue. Was that your first time playing there? Yes, it was my first time at Eddie's Attic. Nice. It's a cool venue. Yeah. I've always wanted to go or, or play there. Um, it's just so, it's like a historic venue. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so Maggie Rose, how long have you been playing with her? Uh, I started uh, kind of, this is kind of a temporary sub-fill-in position. Okay. Um, I'll be with her until mid-June. Uh, I started uh, around the beginning of April. That Eddie's Attic run was our first, first uh, my first gig with her. Oh, Okay. Then we get a, did a couple of gigs in North Carolina and South Carolina, and have uh, been out pretty much every week since then. Mm-hmm. And we'll uh, start back up in early May. Okay, so yeah, I haven't seen you in a while because you've just been on the road with a bunch of different artists. Yeah, I played uh, with Darlene Love. Um, did her Christmas tour. Was with Tominsky for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, got to do some cool stuff with him, like Good Morning America right. and uh, Stephen Colbert. Oh, yeah. A lot of great opportunities there. So I've been staying busy. So what was it like playing Stephen Colbert's show? Um, it was really, really surreal. Uh, just, you know, one minute you're here in Nashville and the next you're in New York City mm-hmm. on primetime television and then 
You're in Nashville again. You're in Nashville again. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, but it was a great experience, a great staff. Steven was great. Did you get to meet any of uh, uh, the band, the house band? Uh, sadly, no. Um, they they ca- kind of came in later in the day, okay. and we were in the green room and yeah. didn't really have much of a chance to interact. Okay. Yeah, my buddy uh, Lewis plays sax in that band, and I remember seeing him on TV. I was like, oh, shoot, that's Lewis. Cool. He got an awesome gig. Yeah. I have a friend, my friend Christine Mode, who you also know. Yeah. Um, her friend, I think her name is Maggie as well, plays guitar. Plays guitar. Oh, in that band. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's she, awesome. She wasn't there that day, so I didn't get to make the connection. Mm. So uh, you were playing with Tominsky on the show, and then on Good Morning America. Um, how, how many dates did you do with him? Uh, I did a, we did uh, maybe a Northeast run, mm-hmm. uh, and then down in Atlanta. Um, this was back earlier in January and February. Um, a lot of, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. And Darlene Love, what was that like? Uh, that was great, man. She's so legendary and she's 75 years old. <laughs> um, but man, she still sings so well. That's awesome. Yeah. We did, um, kind of hopped all over the United States on that Christmas tour. Um, the closest we played was in Paducah at a symphony hall there, and that was a lot of fun. Got to have some family come out to that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So what? So you used to teach at Belmont. Are you still doing that? Uh, I still do play at Belmont, yes. Okay. As uh, an accompanist? As a pianist, yes. Mm-hmm. I accompany students there. Um, musical theater, commercial, classical singers. Kind of helps me keep my my sight reading chops mm-hmm. up from the uh, the graduate degree days. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, that's I've purposely kind of um, this semester I didn't take many students there just because I knew I was going to be gone um, off and on. But yeah, it's a great way to earn some extra income doing what what you do, uh, what you love, which is playing piano for me. Yeah, that's awesome. And you used to teach at uh, MTSU, right? Yes, I uh, did Did my grad degree at MTSU from 2011 to 2013. Worked as a pianist there until around 2015, and then I made the big move to Nashville. Mm-hmm. And we met in a wedding band. We did, back in 2014. So that was we're, 2014? Wow. Yeah, we're on our four-year anniversary. Oh, man, it's uh, time is just flying. Yes, I think you were you were fairly new to the Nashville scene at that point too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I moved here in 2012. I yeah. think. Yeah, I think it was 2012. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. It's great. It's always great to see like friends that you met soon after moving here, just doing what they've always you know that they've always wanted to do, and they're getting closer to either they're doing it or they're getting closer to doing it. Um, or or they've done it and, you know, got the T-shirt and they're on to something else. Exactly, yeah. I know of several friends who, I call it the same class, you know, almost like a you're in school with these people, but it's you're, in, you're doing professional mm-hmm. stuff with these people and you see them progress. And I have so many friends that are doing great things, Yeah, uh, many of our mutual friends. It takes a lot to move to a city like Nashville or New York or L.A. and then give it all you got absolutely i mean sometimes all you got is just barely enough to survive yes i've been there (laughs) yeah oh totally i mean there's so many times where i'm like okay if 
this doesn't work out by the end of next week, I'm packing up and moving somewhere else. And then within a week, oh, there's another opportunity. I need to lock myself in my house and and learn, you know. 20 songs. Yeah, an hour or two of music, Uh you know, and nail it and, you know, get the gig. Absolutely. But that keeps you, you know, that keeps you professional. It does. That's what you want to do. You want to stay professional in this town. Yes. That's what I've found kind of... uh, separates the the men from the boys or the wheat from the chaff or whatever is the professional attitude that people have or don't have because musicianship is you know this town is filled with great musicianship but to to kind of play your cards you know close to your chest when it comes to like gossip being just being unprofessional in in any way shape or form Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because yeah, we've all worked with people that have been unprofessional. Yes, um, I would I would say in some respects that your maturity, your professionalism, um, your ability to be a great uh, hang, as they say, is almost more important than your musicianship. Yes, you you got to play your part, know the tunes, but um, that's that's like a third of the equation. Yeah. To, to keeping a gig. I had never heard of this concept before, but the um, music money hang. Do you know about that? I don't. That when you say yes to a gig, it has to, um, you got to check off two of the three boxes, music money oh, or hang. That's that's a good that's a good point. You know, if yeah, the music and the true. money are good, the hang doesn't have to be that great. Uh-huh. If the music and the hang are good, the money doesn't have to be that great and, yeah. and all those different combinations. Yeah. Ultimately, you're striving for all three, but those mm-hmm. those opportunities come along few and far between, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. If you can't check off two out of the three, it's really not worth it, and you can mm-hmm. probably put your time to better use. Yes. Like, man, me in this studio, I mean, this is the only place I want to be, and when I do the gigs, it's like, cool, I got this gig, I'm going to play guitar, I'm going to like give it you know, play play with the musicians that I'm playing with, and then I'm back here and I'm cooking sure, something this, up in here. Sure, this studio is really cooking off here. Yeah, man. Um, I hope this is just the beginning of something I can of another studio I can move it into. Like my dream yes. is to have a, a one of those little houses in Berry Hill, like near Glazer and near Vintage King, and just absolutely, yeah, yeah, just run a studio out of there. That would be that would be such a dream come true. Um, and hopefully it can happen someday. Yeah, I have. There's no reason why it, why it couldn't. Yeah. And I I've been liking Berry Hill the more I hang out down there, even mm-hmm. though I don't do much down there other than drop off instruments and go yeah, to guitar center. That's, and... that's uh, over close to Belmont. I eat lunch over there, or go to coffee shop like Sam and Zoe's or Baja Burrito. <laughs> Baja uh, Burrito. Yes. Yeah. That's where it's at. <laughs> I love that place. Yeah. Yeah. That's a. Uh, that's a thriving community over there. It's it's really nice. It'd be nice to live over in that neighborhood too. I think. Mm-hmm. So you're living in kind of like on the border of Hermitage still. Yeah. So I have a Nashville address. I'm one exit past the airport. Um, not going to disclose my address for all no, of you creepers don't, out there. Don't. Uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I guess I'd live in what you might call hip Donaldson. Is that what they call it? These yes, days? that's what they call hip it. Donaldson. Yeah, we got a lot yeah. of stuff popping up over there. I got a brand new coffee shop. 
uh, <laughs> now opening it's up. Yes. You got a coffee shop. What kind of coffee shop is it? Uh, I forget the name. <laughs> It's not a dose, is it? No, it's uh, it's local to Donaldson. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, it's uh, right there on Lebanon Pike. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we have there's several new restaurants over there. Um, the good part about where I live is that it's it has a seclusion a secluded feel, but I have everything like as far as groceries or running errands like within five minutes of my house where I don't have to come downtown and fight traffic. But I will say that I find myself going downtown more so than spending in Donaldson. I, you know, I just love Nashville. Mm-hmm. And there's, in Nashville, there's new stuff popping up every day. Um, so what's your, other than playing with Maggie Rose, what's your, what's your musical life looking like after your birthday? Yeah. Um, so as I said, I'll be doing shows with her until C- uh, we'll do CMA Fest and then... Um, after that, I've got several uh, gigs booked with the wedding band. Um, we're going to be pretty busy in June and uh, uh, the early fall. Um, yeah, I'll have my church church gig that I've had since 2012. I'm really grateful for that. Where's that? Uh, that's at Vine Street Christian Church over towards the Bell Mead area mm-hmm. off of Harding Pike. Um and is that more like modern worship songs, or is that like a lot of classic? No, it's uh, it's very traditional, um, which I tend to prefer a little more than than modern stuff. Not not digging that. I, I mean, it's not a dig at the modern stuff, but mm-hmm. um, what, what what songs are you playing? Like, what's the traditional stuff that you play? We we play. I mean, we're pretty much from the hymn book every uh-huh. Sunday, uh-huh. so you know. Uh, some of those standards, as I call them, the gospel standards, yeah, yeah. the hymn standards, um, like all hell, the power of Jesus' name, or, um, oh gosh, standing on the promises. So yeah. you get to say you go to church every Sunday, and you get paid to do it. I do, yes. <laughs> it's a win-win. <laughs> it's a win-win. It's a good church, um, great staff, yeah, good people. Yeah, it's uh I'm I'm very grateful for that and they're they've been so good in working with me when I'm like I've been gone three Sundays this month, I'll yeah. be gone next oh, okay. month some. Yeah. And they're Yeah, great. I remember when we would be getting back from the road at like oh, yes. four in the morning and you'd be like, I gotta wake up, I gotta go to church and play. Yeah, exactly. I did that yesterday. I was so Saturday night after our gig at the Opry City stage in New York City. I stayed out with some of the band until 1 a.m. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm on this rooftop rooftop bar in Manhattan at 1 a.m. and then I'm back here yesterday morning in Nashville at 9:30 playing church. So, <laughs> whoa, that's yes, that's quite a time crunch. This is the life of a musician, folks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is the dark side. <laughs> I don't know. I like that. It's it, it's it's kind side. of a, it's kind of a thrill, isn't it? You're like, how much can I do? It keeps it interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I I tend to do more of that than what I probably should. I've definitely tested my tested my boundary some, I think. But mm-hmm. you know, it's the, being a musician is a balancing act. Yeah, I, I've uh, I've ended up in the emergency room from. Uh, heat exhaustion and like a mixture of heat exhaustion over overwork exhaustion and uh like and i caught salmonella that weekend i remember that yes 
<laughs> it's uh you know and just from working and just going showing up at gigs and and you know hurry up hurrying up and waiting and, and all that yes stuff. The hurry up and wait yeah I should write that song uh soul live has a tune called <laughs> okay. hurry up and wait yeah yeah hurry up and wait is so much of what we do as musicians so find some time to occupy yourself yeah it kind of drive you nuts yes it will um so what are you doing like and you, your personal project, I would say, is the Bruce Springsteen tribute that you do at the Basement East. Yes, we've got uh, we've got a, another Bruce thing coming up May twenty second at Basement East. Cool. Um, I dare say it's our most ambitious lineup yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, just making past a couple of years, I've been fortunate to make some connections with some some. Uh, uh, I guess what you might call stars. I Who, who's going to be featured? Uh, uh, Charles Esten. Okay. Um, from the t- television's Nashville. Uh-huh. Um, Deacon Claiborne. Right. Uh, I've been able to do a couple of shows with him. Did a pretty memorable New Year's Eve gig with him down in Atlanta, uh, outside when it was about twenty degrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he and I have uh, kind of become friends. He's a huge Springsteen fan. So it was only natural to ask him nice. to come aboard. And I kind of co-organized this with a good friend of mine, a fellow fan, Alex Fang, who works at New Frontier Touring. And we kind of select the acts that are going to play on the on the bill. And uh, we're excited for, for, for that show. That's awesome. Yeah. What, what album are you doing? We're doing Born in the USA this, oh, cool. this time. Nice. So kind of a summer-flavored right album to kind of kick off things here in nashville um late may early june yeah nice uh well yeah is there anything you want to tell listeners uh where they can find you website social media anything like that how they can follow you oh goodness you know um i should i need to get my social media stuff in order you can find me on instagram at Mm -hmm. piano man 007 oh yeah have I should, <laughs> or they could probably just type in Micah Snow right in Instagram, and then it'll pull up your yeah, Instagram handle. Yeah, um, exactly. Like I said, my handle is Piano Man Double O Seven. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Facebook, Micah Snow. Um, I have a couple of things on the YouTube. Um, there's, there's, it's raining out there again, yeah. man. It's gonna be raining for a few days. I saw that. Um, yeah, I mean, do you do you think that social media helps you at all? Oh, in this town, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, several of the gigs I've gotten have been through social media mm-hmm. uh, finds. You know, either through a Facebook friend or, um, you know, you have some person call and say, "Hey, we saw your video that you posted on Facebook. Have you playing such and such?" Really? Yeah. So they'll they'll come to you and they'll say they saw you playing. Yeah. I feel like with guitar, like guitar players, because I think there's probably. 50 or more guitar players to every piano player in this town. I would agree. Yes, you know? the guitar scene is way more difficult. So when people want a guitar player, they're like send they're like send me a video, you know, uh-huh. you come talk to me, but when for it's a little nicer when you're playing yeah. a not so common to Nashville instrument like mm-hmm. keys, people go to you. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm always yeah, you're like always everybody's in their top you know, choices for piano players to recommend. Well, I I certainly appreciate that. Well, it's great because you're versatile, mm-hmm. you but you're also very traditional. Mm-hmm. So 
you can play just a bunch of different things, but you know the language of rock and roll and country and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, a valuable thing, aspiring Nashville musicians, be able to play in multiple styles. Uh, Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so what are you digging into now? Like, do you when are you do you find you have time to practice these days, or do you find you're just working? Um, I've mainly been working the past couple of weeks, but I I have an itch to start practicing more. <laughs> I know. Um, and there's no time. <laughs> it's like when you get home, all you want to do is sit in the recliner like me and watch Westworld. But... Yeah, and also for me, it's like when you're practicing, you're like, okay, well, I only have an hour, a half hour to an hour to practice. And then you get your like twenty minutes of practice, and you're just like, "Oh, I suck! I'm not even warmed up yet." Mm-hmm. And now I gotta go. Exactly. <laughs> yes, I think I'm, I've been wanting to start digging into uh, some Bruce Hornsby stuff. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I've been uh, revisiting some of his music. He's going to be doing a couple of shows at City Winery next month. Oh, so. cool! Yeah, yeah. We saw him at the Scammerhorn. We did that yeah. solo concert, which was great. I loved his um, atonal phrasing yes. that he had he would like i, I was kind of wondered i couldn't tell if it was imp- improvisation or not if if what he was doing was like he he it sounds like it's atonal improvisation mm-hmm. but it's so tightly a weirdly it works out atonally that i'm like he probably wrote this out but then at the same time he's a master improviser at the same exactly. time yeah it's difficult to know i i know that he he did do from I remember from that set list and the CD that came with it. Mm-hmm. You know there were you know established published atonal pieces from composers mm-hmm. that he played, but he also like you said incorporated yeah. some improvisational atonal material he into like a, into his own songs. Yeah, like a six eight blues shuffle, and then it goes into this crazy just these atonal phrases that he yeah. had over it was it was awesome. Yeah, I'd love to see him again. A, mind-blowing pianist Mm -hmm. but he also practices yeah several hours each day yeah man what a if only we'd all do that i know well now we'll see for me when it comes to practicing like i've got this huge i call this the millennium falcon my my recording Mm -hmm. my home recording rig yes um and you can see all the little star wars things i I do but um i love that (laughs) uh is like okay well what am i gonna do am i gonna practice um like that piece of music over there on the on the music stand, mm-hmm. and Looks like you got some, some scales over here. That's a that's a Bach violin sonata. Excellent. Um, that I've been um, working out on the mandolin. Mm-hmm. So I go, okay, do I practice guitar? Do I practice mandolin? Or do I set the studio up and just like write a new write a new piece of music? And the balance of um, practicing, I'll, like if I have a gig coming up. I'm going to learn the music to the gig. That's usually my impetus to really practice yes. and to learn the music for the gig that's coming up. Um, and I was always kind of told by my mentors and, and musicians, I really respect that's what you got to do. That's yes. that's like number one. But then when it comes to if I have some free time, it's like, oh, cool, I would like to practice, but I really want to check out this production thing and I'll like YouTube some produ- videos on production and tutorials and things about EQ and compression and all that stuff and and then or I'll book a podcast and I'll just you know bullshit with another musician which yeah. is what we're doing yeah um which is also what I really love doing so um it's about I maybe I need a life coach or something someone to help me <laughs> put that in. no I won't 
I don't think I'll ever do that, but um, I no, really I think just, I think you're doing pretty well. Well, thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every t- I think the the payoff is like if I have a track, a, a piece of original music that's completed and it's mastered, and I have it in a file or on a CD, it's like okay, check that off. That's almost like a, like a, mm-hmm. like a little accomplishment. Yeah. But when it comes to practicing, it's very hard to check things off and keep track of yourself and your progress in it practicing. Is. Yeah. That's a little more nebulous. But I think the best thing about having the rig and being able to practice is you can hear yourself. You know, you can hear yourself suck until mm-hmm. you get it right. Yeah, you you have the advantage of I guess recording yourself in, in studio quality and playing it back. Um, that's the i don't have that at my house well you but, got a sweet you got a motif keyboard right uh you well i i sold the motif and have a uh have a roland rd800 which can do the same yeah, thing yeah. so but do you have any type of way to record at home i think i've got a little task cam recorder that oh, I, yeah. could, I could use oh man you should get a you have a mac right i do have a macbook pro what about and it comes with garage band it does yeah i guess i have the tools to do it yeah I just haven't yeah <laughs> Man, I, if I were you, I would I would just get a little MIDI cable and hook it up to your computer and fool around with that. Mm-hmm. But that's only if you want to like compose or, or listen back to yourself. Yeah, you know? I think listening back would be a good yeah good thing. Um, my friend, uh, he's a pianist down in New Orleans. He just got Logic, and I'm like, sweet. Now you can do it, and like I'm sending him all these articles about compression and mm-hmm. you know dynamics and recording and everything like that, and I'm like, he's not gonna read this, yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, you got to be a certain type of nerd to to want to know about thresholds and compression ratios. You do, and, and I I have not gotten into that sector of nerddom yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I have recently though, um, kind of been saving up money to get like a great pair of audiophile bookshelf speakers or floor standing towers mm-hmm. to use with my my tv <laughs> um i'm such a as as you know there are several shows that i'm passionate about <laughs> game of I, thrones game of thrones Westworld. oh did you watch the new episode i did watch the new is episode last night it was great did they uh kind of is it just does it keep going or they kind of wrap stuff up from the first season no it, it keeps it keeps yeah. going and I dare say poses more questions ah, too. But that's what every episode did prior to exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's such a mind bender of a series. Yeah. Oh man. Um So yeah, what were you gonna say about your shows? Yeah, you just wanna hear among good speakers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've I've gone to I've gone to a couple of the hi fi shops here in Nashville and tested out some things like in the Best Buy. Uh-huh. Um there's a there's a lot of a lot of great stuff out there. Uh you know what you gotta get is movie pass. I I heard I've heard about movie pass. Oh man. This now this is just becoming like a an ad for movie pass, but Yes. Yeah. Dude. I've seen like four movies in the last week. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Know? For I the price for the you know, yeah. less than a, I mean for, for someone who loves cinema and also film music to be able to go to a movie theater at any time and just sit in a theater and listen to and like and not have to be like okay this is like my one time a year or one time that's mm-hmm. really i would only go, i think get out was like the only movie i saw in the theaters in the past couple of years mm-hmm. i still haven't seen that oh 
That's, I've heard it's great. I've watched. I've seen it twice so far. Yeah, that is a great film work mm-hmm. of work of cinema. And uh, when I watched it the second time, uh, the music stood out a little bit more. I love the the classic type of horror music that's in there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, to go to like the Bell Court, sit in a theater with like only twenty other people because the the theaters they made more theaters there and they're small, and to just hear the music and surround and be kind of engulfed in the cinematic experience and do that any day for so, me it's a great tool as a I, I see it as a composer not just someone who doesn't have anything to do and wants to just you know click on a, another movie on a streaming service but to go to a movie take it in I just saw um, a quiet place yes I am anxious to see that so it was okay yeah <laughs> This is not a movie, uh, you know, a movie podcast, like uh-huh. a reviewing podcast, but it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone says it's like so crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and it's very suspenseful, but it, uh, it so, didn't really do it. It's not like Get Out. Like Get Out is a masterpiece of, right. of, of heart. Well, I had film. read that, that A Quiet Place was actually considered originally, they were thinking about putting in, into the Cloverfield um like oh they should have because yeah. that would have made sense yeah okay i couldn't even watch cloverfield paradox on I, netflix I haven't, I haven't seen it i've heard that was atrocious but, oh. I, but 10 cloverfield lane was stupendous that was good yeah, yeah. so I've, I've heard that a quiet place kind of fits within that mood yeah. um I don't know. I, I was like, I guess in my early twenties when the original Cloverfield came out, mm-hmm. and I watched. I went to the movies twice to see that. Yeah, and then watched it a few more times when it came out on video. Sure. Great movie, great movies. Uh, yeah. Well, now that we're just kind of small talking about film, uh, is yeah. there any? Yeah, anything else that you wanted to talk about here? Well, uh, so this is my little uh, rant for the. For the day, okay. We're talking about film and music and speakers, you know, I feel like so much as consumers listening to music will play something on our phone or a little Bluetooth speaker or in our car. Mm-hmm. Whereas, if you can, if you have the budget, get get a great pair of speakers and listen to the music oh, as yeah. to what it was meant to be listened. Mm-hmm. Um, Two originally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'll do here. I'll just mm-hmm. sit and I'll and I'll pull something up. And uh, before my turntable broke down, I, I've got that turntable preamp yeah. and I would listen I through that. the HS8s. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, when 615 Exclusive was here last week, I played his new track. And it's mm-hmm. just like, you can hear on different parts, you can hear the bass coming here. The mid range here, and the because there's tweeter there, the high range. You can yeah. you can separate. I think all I the think parts that, of the that's music. That's called imaging, from what? Yeah, yeah, from exactly. My brief yeah, stereo, study. stereo imaging, yeah. stereo panning. Um, it it's amazing. Yeah, you don't. Um, listening to Lid Shaw's recording studio rock stars podcast, um, Daniel Ford, he was talking about how listening in headphones is a very unnatural way to experience music mm-hmm. because. Music doesn't happen at 180 degrees from you on exactly. either side. That evolutionarily, that's not how our we're supposed to take in sound. Right. Um, so to hear, hear something in a hard, hard right, hard left, 180 degree 
from your from your ears is an unnatural way to hear it. You want to hear things that are like in front of you and to the sides mm-hmm. and and kind of surround. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, um, well, I think a lot of popular music today goes for like what's gonna sound good coming out of an iPhone. Yeah, that's the standard. What's gonna yeah, sound good coming out of an that's iPhone? A, that's a that's a sad standard. In my it, opinion, <laughs> it is, but it's it's where we're at. I mean, yeah. it's anything, whether it's hip hop, pop, or country, or anything country radio. Like, it has that to, it has, has to, to be so you. compressed yeah. and and heavy sounding that it's gonna just be loud coming yeah. out of your phone. Yeah. Um. Maybe maybe that'll change change someday. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it will. I think <laughs> I think well, if unless there's a move. To I mean the the whole vinyl movement is like let's go back to the physic to the physicality of music mm-hmm. to look at artwork on a big spread of of cardboard and, and and take in the artwork and then pull out this big disc and put it on a reel. There's a whole um, it's like a ritual you have to do with exactly. vinyl. Um, and I I love that ritual. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I just read um, that vinyl sales actually out outperformed digital downloads last year for the first vinyls, time. Vinyls, man, dude, vinyls like getting big. There's something about it. Like if I, because I wanna I wanna um, release my next two releases on on vinyl only. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll make a digital copy, but when I'm doing live shows. I want to have like yeah. a single, like not 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 a twelve inch vinyl, but like a seven inch single, like a, a side, B side, yeah, yeah. Forty yeah. fives are popular too. Yeah, and so or maybe have two of those to sell, um, because I mean that was the dream. Like if you read Bob Dylan's Chronicles, to have his music on record um, and to hold it, you know, there's something about that holding your music on a piece of vinyl. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's not just for, you know, independent artists can do it too. You don't have to be on a label. You don't have to be on Third Man. You don't have to, you know, be an Atlantic. Exactly. You can, you can make it happen for yourself these you days. You certainly can. Um, so it'd be interesting to see where that goes. Um, but yeah, it's good to know. Apparently the music industry did really well this year. Also interested to see what's going to happen with Spotify because apparently they, they're taking their... Um, they're taking themselves off the stock exchange, even though they just really? had an IPO. They got bought out, I think. I don't okay. know the the details on that. But yeah, everything's constantly changing in this industry. Yes, that's that's very true. It's but, yeah. As a as a side man, you just do what you can do. You well, you you learn your tunes. You be a good hang and uh, uh, do the job. Yeah. So you see yourself living in Nashville for. For as long as you, I I do. Um, for what I do, there aren't many places in the United States that I could move, and and I mean, really realistically, Los Angeles and New York City are the are the two areas that I theoretically could move to. But, could you see yourself in New York? Um, perhaps you liked it. Yeah, I I do like New York a lot. It, I. I just, I, you know, I my home's in Nashville. This is where I've made all of my connections, and mm-hmm. I feel to move at this juncture without, you know, a, a real possibility of something great would just yeah. be to do myself a disservice. It's <laughs> a good way to yeah. put it. Um, as far as retirement, whenever that comes around, 
Um, I do love the American Southwest. So. Yeah, that's the most beautiful part. Yeah, there's just something something uh, great about the the open. open what part open. of the Southwest? Well, my, as you know, my brother lives in Phoenix, and mm-hmm. I love Phoenix a lot. I'm heading out to Scottsdale on next Monday. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a great, great, great uh, area. Kind of the Brentwood of Phoenix, <laughs> shall we say? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go all around there. I've seen the Grand Canyon a couple of times, but uh-huh. I'm gonna go take a little visit to Sedona. And yes, yeah, I uh, was just in Sedona when I I was visited my brother and, and family um, around, gosh, maybe four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're thinking Arizona? I don't Eventually. know if it'll be Arizona. Arizona. I'm moving to Arizona. Arizona. I don't know if it would be Arizona in particular, but you know, uh, I you know, I love the weather out there. The weather's great. It gets hot in the summer, but I can I can deal with that more than I can. I don't like the cold at all. Um, it was really cold and nasty this winter. It was. It's still kind of cold it's and been nasty. Very cold and nasty. It's gonna um, be brutal summer. You can just feel it. Yes. It's either going to be brutal or it's going to be maybe more so of that that low 60, high 50 rainy, which I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what else? What else to talk about here? Um, We've got a Piano Men show. Okay. Coming up this Thursday at 3rd and Lindsley. Your Billy Joel Elton John tribute band. uh, I uh, run a Billy Joel Elton John tribute band with some great players. This will be our second show at 3rd and Lindsley. we did our first show there back the first of March and had a had a great turnout for a Tuesday night. What's the date of that? Um, this is what will be April twenty sixth. Okay. So this coming Thursday night, um, tickets are ten bucks. You can get them at Third and Lindsley's website or at the door. Awesome. Yeah. Great man. Well, thanks again. Thanks for coming on the Absolutely. show. And happy it's, birthday. It's been a pleasure. I feel like we've covered a lot of different topics here. Awesome. Yes. Thank you, sir. I want to thank Micah Snow for coming on the podcast. I've got plenty of more episodes coming up this summer, so stay tuned. Have a good week, y'all.